The Homance Chronicles. The female equivalent of a bromance. So many poor choices. But so many good takes. But so many poor choices. <laughs> <laughs> is the Homance Chronicles and I am Sarah and I'm Nicole and I kept it together I was like that was the most boring intro we've had <laughs> yeah yeah because it's I think it's about that time we just had it figured out it's not going to oh. be figured out it took me a second I had to collect my my thoughts you I had a pause in the beginning uh, you did you took a you took a, a little extra, mini pause but tick. um Maybe I shouldn't say boring. That's the most professional we've started in quite some time. Uh, yeah. All right. I'll go with that. Smooth. Professional. Smooth, smooth works. I like smooth. 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 <laughs> smooth works. So this okay. is the week of what? Thanksgiving. We yes. are recording on Monday. Thanksgiving is on Thursday. So. There were Go several Lions. times I almost canceled this recording. Several times. Indeed. I was also like, should we keep doing Okay, we're going to do it, right? <laughs> and then I looked at my calendar today to make sure I wasn't the one presenting. <laughs> and, yeah. And I was like, well, it's not there. Did she cancel? And then it loaded. I was like, damn it. <laughs> nope. It, it's been there. And it's yeah. been my turn for quite some time. The whole time. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know what the deal was. I, I don't know if my brain's already like, hey, it's vacation time, even though I'm not taking any vacation. Right. Because <laughs> you don't just you don't when you're your own boss. You just just don't I mean, work. I might not work on Friday, but like I'm not going anywhere. It's not like I'm getting ready to be on a beach or anything. I don't know <laughs> what's happening. I have senioritis for Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> oh, man, I've had senioritis <laughs> since the beginning of November. My brain is just shut down. It's just, it's silly. It's silly. It's like, hey, it's cold. <laughs> yeah. Let's go ahead and go away now. Well, now that I'm thinking about it, though, I had plans every day, Thursday through Sunday. Oh. So that's a lot for an introvert who stays home all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> I should say plans schedule. with other people where I was social. I mean, yeah, and that's each impressive. Each day was a different group of people. And group of socials. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. So I think today I just was like, wow. About it. Yeah. I think today I was it. like, well, damn, I guess that caught up to me. <laughs> but don't worry. I pushed not, through. I mean, I'm proud of you. I'm really excited, actually. I was ready for Nicole's story today after the whole day. All right. Well, I also used Thanksgiving as my inspiration for today's <laughs> Ho of History. Oh, shit. <laughs> so when trying to wait, start the story, yes. Why do I immediately go, oh, Pocahontas? Like, what the fuck? Why, Sarah? No, that I think that's a natural response. I think that's that fair. that's fair. You immediately go, oh, so your story is about pilgrims or like. <laughs> No, Pocahontas. <laughs> or Pocahontas or whatever. I mean, I feel like that that is fair. But the whole point of our podcast is to highlight women who maybe haven't received the recognition mm -hmm. that they should have, especially uh, women that we think we should know who they are and we don't. Mm -hmm. And so 
my story, actually, that's what I was going to say. Like when starting it, I was like, well, how do I start this? She like nobody knows who she is. Right. But your natural instinct is that it's more more directly correlated. Right. So I'm actually just going to read word for word an excerpt from. (laughs) Perfect. One of the sources. So (laughs) I feel like even as a marketer slash writer slash podcaster that it's totally fine to steal from other people when you can't think of something better. You know, just Mm -hmm. make sure that you give them the credit. So Brandon Millett, he wrote an article in 2021 for philanthropyroundtable.org okay and it's about our whole of history but I really liked the way that it started and it says this week meaning Thanksgiving week 53 million Americans will travel by planes trains and automobiles to create Thanksgiving with family and friends eating turkey watching football and of course expressing gratitude for their blessings and good fortune but how much do we really know about the origins of this holiday Why do we gather on the last Thursday of each November specifically for the purpose of giving thanks? And this is where the quote unquote mother of Thanksgiving comes in. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck yeah. (laughs) So thank you, Brandon, for a strong start. Yeah, Brandon. Shout out to you. So this week's Hope of History, which you'll appreciate, her name is Sarah. I'm not the mother of Thanksgiving. No. Sarah Josephia Hale. uh, She was actually born with her maiden name as Buell. Uh, She was born on October 24th, 1788. And she was an American writer, activist, and editor. 1788? My. Yes, ma'am. Goodness. So she was born in Newport, New Hampshire to Captain Gordon Buell, a Revolutionary War veteran, and Martha Willitsley Buell. Her parents believed in equal education for both genders. So this was at a time when people believed that only boys should get an education and not girls. Could be educated. So Miss Sarah was an avid reader and homeschooled. Much of her learning was self-taught, but she was homeschooled by her mother and her older brother, Horatio. He attended Dartmouth. Oh, so he would bring home what he learned that day and then teach it to Sarah. That's so smart and great. I love that. Yes. So Dartmouth awarded a diploma to Horatio and then he awarded an aplo- a diploma to Sarah. <laughs> That's so sweet. And he declared she had earned her degree in the arts summa cum laude. <laughs> <laughs> it's already so heartwarming. <laughs> so from an early age, Sarah noticed that, quote, all of the books I saw, few were written by Americans and none by women. And so she was inspired to promote the reputation of her own sex and do something for her own country. There we go. So when she says fewer written by Americans, it's because most of what you were getting in publication was coming from Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, so Even at the age of eight, completely separated from them. <laughs> Still getting our literature. Yes. 
So at the age of 18, it's now 1806, she started teaching at a school. However, women were not allowed to be teachers at the time. I was going to say, how, Sway? How? Yeah. So she, I mean, I, I guess she just did it anyway. So she started, you know, upsetting the world at 18. And um, then in 1811, at 23 years old, she met a Freemason and lawyer. His name was David Hale. They dated for two years and then got married in 1813. So David was also very supportive of Sarah's desire to learn, teach, and write. Um, I don't have this like in my notes, but just from memory, there was like a really cute quote about her talking about their marriage and how they would spend two hours every night like learning, reading, teaching each other things. Like they allowed each other from 8 to 10 to p.m. to like have their mutual learnings or whatever. Just info dumping (laughs) on each other. I love that. Yeah, so he was super supportive. So she wrote short stories and articles, and they ended up being published in local newspapers. And she was doing this while also uh, having five children. <laughs> so she Holy had fuck. She had her children back to back to back. Like, yeah, between they only had two years that they were married without kids. And then from 1815 to 1822, she was spitting out babies and she was actually pregnant with her fifth child when her husband, David, suddenly and very unexpectedly passed away from pneumonia. No, I know. It's so sad. She never remarried. How could you after that? How could you? She wore black the rest of her life as, as a sign of does. perpetual mourning. Yeah, I feel you, girlfriend. I feel you. Oh, tragic. And so she had all these children. She lost her husband, but she's a highly educated lady. Right. But she struggled to support herself. I mean, there really weren't a lot of options for women yeah. to make an income. And um, so she turned her hobby of writing poems and articles into her source of income. Good. And um, her husband's Freemason Lodge actually helped her publish a collection of poems and it was titled The Genius of Oblivion and Other Original Poems. And throughout the rest of her career, the Masonic movement continued to support her. So that's really cool. I that's can, nice. Yeah. I, I mean, she that. did try some other things before writing, but they failed. And so she just was like, I just I got to stick with what I know. Mm-hmm. Um, so she then started submitting her stories and poems to literary magazines, and they quickly gained attention of editors um and like respectful editors from leading periodicals so she was getting a little bit of success and so then she decided to write a novel and she wrote the novel called northwood a tale of new england and this is in 1827 and so it depicted home life in the early republic Hmm. uh with the contrast between North and South and it very heavily discussed the issue of slavery and she was very much against it. And so she called slavery a stain on our national character. Yes. And um, during this time, there was obviously growing economic tensions between North and South. However, um, her stance basically in the novel supported that, 
you should be relocating the nation's African slaves to freedom in Liberia. And she got actually positive response. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Um, so with the publication of Northwood, that pretty much established her career. And she was one of the first American women novelists and the first of her gender. Well, either gender, really, to write a book about slavery. So, I mean, strong start. <laughs> strong fucking start. <laughs> so then Reverend John Blake loved Northwood and he asked Sarah to move to Boston to serve as the editor of his journal, the ladies magazine. And so that was the first substantial magazine in the United States for women. So she agreed. And from 1828 until 1836, she served as editor in Boston, but she preferred the title editress. (laughs) (laughs) And good on her. I would, too, if I was in her position. She was the first female editor of a magazine in the United States. Editress. Yes. So she had very high editorial standards. um, And so she only accepted original material from Americans and would seek out material from women. A true patriot. (laughs) Well, like I said, it was all coming from britain (laughs) oh yeah Um, no i love it so she solicited for female contributors she specifically only wanted to print material that she thought would like help improve the lives of her readers um she stayed with a magazine for a few years until there were some economic issues and so we'll get into that in a second but Are you doing uh, air quotes, economic issues, or did somebody just want her out? No, 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 no. And she ends up staying on. Oh, the okay. magazine gets bought out. But um, anyway, so the ladies magazine then turns into American ladies magazine specifically to reflect Sarah's editorial policies. So <laughs> they added American in front of it because she was so like staunch and wanting it to be. Yes. All right. <laughs> I'm here for this. So she regularly wrote and published articles and editorials um, trying to, uh, how can I say this? Trying to show the benefits of women getting an education. Okay. And so um, she wanted to use her influence to make sure that other women would be able to progress. Um she in the first issue of ladies magazine she wrote in this age of innovation perhaps no experiment will have an influence more important on the character and happiness of our society than the granting to females the advantages of a systematic and thorough education and she wrote that when only half of american women were taught to read i was gonna say like she had half an audience huh (laughs) <laughs> dang did she i wonder if she had um employed any or published any stories from women that we are not aware of that are just also like her like changing paradigms and stuff oh i'm sure i'm sure she published 
stories from women that we could add to our list yeah. of influencers. Um, so during her years in Boston, she also became, in, became involved in several social causes. And so she was the founder of the Siemens Aid Society to assist the serving families of Boston sailors who died at sea. And she did fundraising for the completion of the Bunker Hill Monument. She raised like $30,000 back in the That's day. That's impressive. For wow. the Bunker Hill Monument. <laughs> she supported Elizabeth Blackwell, who mm-hmm. would become America's first female doctor. Girl. She played a key role in the founding of Vassar College, which was the second only all-female college that would actually grant a degree to women. Mm. Gotta love Vassar. In the U.S., I should say. Right. And um, then in... 1830, so now she's about 42, she publishes her second book of poetry called Poems for Our Children, and it contained one of the most famous poems in the English language. Mary Had a Little Lamb. She wrote it. So it was originally called Mary's Lamb and was based on a story from her childhood. No shit. Yeah. Who knew? I didn't, certainly. (laughs) I know. We still haven't, we haven't even gotten to the Thanksgiving part yet. I was going to say, like, at the moment, it's building at this point. But holy cow, that's so cool. So Mary Had a Little Lamb was actually a poem invented by a very patriotic woman in the United States. Yes. And not some random European translation. That's so cool, man. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. So then in 1837, Louis or Louis Antoine Gotti of Philadelphia he wanted to hire Sarah as the editor of his journal, Gotti's Ladies Book, or Gotti's Ladies Book. I'm not sure. He So he bought the ladies magazine that had then been turned into American Ladies Magazine. So he basically bought that magazine because it was having financial issues and merged it with his journal. So then she began being, she was the main editor now of the expanded Gotti's Ladies Book. And she actually, when she took the job, was in Boston, but he was in Philadelphia. She refused to move to Philadelphia until her son, her youngest son, was done attending Harvard because she was with him in Boston. Oh, my. I know. Out of You have five kids and the youngest one is going to Harvard. Like this woman. <laughs> I'm blown away. This is so cool. So she remained the editor at Gotti's for 40 years. Oh, my God. I know. 40 years? Unobstructed, I imagine. She did not retire until 1877 when she was almost 90. 90? Oh! (laughs) So during during this time... Over this course of 40 years at this magazine, then plus the other years at the other one, she is now one of the most important and influential leaders of American taste. (laughs) Man. So Gotti's ladies book or whatever didn't have any competitors or at least not significant ones. So the influence from that magazine was insane. 
And its readership was the largest of its day with over 150,000 subscribers who were from North and South. Oh, no shit. And so Sarah herself is considered one of the largest influences on American life, like every day to day life. I'm so excited to hear what she did. <laughs> if she is the reason we have Thanksgiving, I'm going to, it's going to be blowing my noodle. Oh my God. Go she into is. it, please. <laughs> so she had many famous quotes <laughs> that advocated her way of thinking in the magazine. Um, they were accredited with influencing, you know, fashion and domestic architecture and how you run your home and they even published house plans that were copied by home builders uh nationwide (laughs) (laughs) could you imagine being so prescriptive and people being like yes give me more right like another i know so here's the only issue is that Sarah was very conservative when it came to gender roles in the home. So she often encouraged women to kind of still be more domestic, even though she was such an activist for education. um, She felt like it was just more proper that women be the ones who make sure that the home is cared for and impart religion on their children and that kind of thing. Maybe she was just a control freak. I don't know, but she definitely had conservative views. Yeah. So she didn't necessarily support the women's suffrage movement um, or women in politics, really. Um, But it's so hard to, like, differentiate that from other things based on the time. Um, and I'm wondering if she had a change of heart with that over the years because Probably. of her influence later. Um, she, I mean, she did use the magazine to advocate for women to even own property, though, like have property rights and stuff. Yeah, she so, wanted us to be autonomous. She just didn't want us to participate in that dumb society that they had, I guess. I guess. I don't, I'm, it's a little. We don't have reasoning. We're just going to keep going. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she definitely. So I copied this as well. Uh, straight from the resource. And it says. As a believer in women's moral superiority. <laughs> I mean. yeah. <laughs> Sarah urged women to write morally uplifting novels. She also used her position to advance the careers of women missionaries and teachers. In 1851, she founded the Ladies Medical Missionary Society of Philadelphia. The organization fought for a women's right to go to a foreign land as a medical missionary without the accompaniment of a man. Hell yeah. So that's why it's like, it's hard to tell, like, these lines are a little blurry. Yeah. Yeah. And we wouldn't know because we weren't there. We had no idea. We have no idea. Um. So the promotion of women authors was her constant literary goal. Uh, so as you mentioned, you know, did she highlight any women that we should know? I don't necessarily have like a list of women, but 
just you were on track with something there because she actually one of her most famous publications was called women's record um women's record or sketches of all distinguished women from the creation to ad 1854 so she put together a book is one of the first biographical dictionaries devoted exclusively to american women writers so it was like an encyclopedia of sorts because she didn't want any of these women's accomplishments to get lost throughout history. Oh my gosh, that's insane. Yeah. She's like, you know what? Let me fix this really quick because none of these assholes are going to do it the right way. I'll do it. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's so cool. So um, obviously she's very passionate about many interests and had a lot of campaigns for public good. And so, of course, there was another one uh, that she is very well known for, apparently, but I did not know. And I don't think most people know. She had a decades long campaign to establish a national day of Thanksgiving. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) It took 10 years. You better enjoy this shit. Longer. It took longer. She wrote to every president. Unreal. For like 40 years. <laughs> Good Lord. So Thanksgiving celebrations were sporadic throughout the colonies in the late 1700s when she was growing up. However, they were very popular in New England where she grew up. So right. she grew up with them thinking that they were happening everywhere and they weren't. And um, she just really wanted a deep respect and saw the purpose of traditions and associated Thanksgiving with like her life and felt strongly that it should be a natural celebration. And she believed that a national day of thanks would help to unify families who had been geographically separated as the country quickly expanded from 13 colonies to 30 states in the mid-1800s. So she wrote in one of her many editorials. In I was going to say, she probably had like fucking trillion of them. <laughs> she <sighs> wrote, uh, though the members of the same family might be too far separated to meet around one festive board, They would have the gratification of knowing that all were enjoying the feast from the St. John's to the Rio Grande, from the Atlantic to the Pacific border. The telegraph of human happiness would move every heart to gladness simultaneously. I mean, I'm here for it. This is cool shit. I thought for sure it was some (laughs) just, you know, money-making scheme by some corporation. And instead, no, it was this woman in earnest being like, don't worry, loved ones. I'm eating the same meal that you are. No worries. <laughs> We're all here together in heart. Yeah. In harmony. Yeah. Like I can very much appreciate Thanksgiving a lot more now. I mean, <laughs> oh, it's always good. been, it's always been actually of all of them, aside from Halloween, it's my favorite because of the food. <laughs> sure. And the fact that it's just one day. Right. Not a lot of buildup. Uh, you eat some really good food you watch some good football hopefully and you're done right so beginning 1846 through her magazine and personal letters 
Sarah made her case to each successive president to establish Thanksgiving as a national annual celebration. Presidents James K. Polk, Zachary Taylor, Millard Fillmore, Franklin Pierce, and James Buchanan all received appeals from Sarah, who by that time was a well-established editress. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, it's not like she was a nobody. I wonder yes. if they pass it on, you know, how they, you know, leave each other notes at the end of their time at the office. This woman named Sarah will not stop writing in about a day <laughs> of giving thanks. I don't know what she wants, but I didn't do it. She'll probably write to you too, just a heads up. You know what I mean? Like she's probably in that book. Maybe, maybe. Um, so, you know what? We've, we've heard in other stories about President Abraham Lincoln coming through. For oh, our yeah. female friends here. Well, for... he came through for everybody, except for the <laughs> white man. But we've mentioned Abraham Lincoln multiple times in other stories and how he would actually, like, read his mail and respond. Yes. He actually <laughs> and did that it didn't matter thing. that it came from women. Right. And so guess who comes through for her? Mr. President Mr. Abe, President. Abe, Abe, <laughs> President Abe. Abraham Lincoln. Mr. President. Oh, Mr. President. <laughs> um, in 1863, she finally found this sympathetic ear in the White House. With a nation torn apart by the Civil War, she made an appeal to President Lincoln. Just five days later, President Lincoln did as Sarah requested, issuing a proclamation to establish a National Day of Thanksgiving each year. On the last Thursday of November, so the American people could celebrate grace and good fortune. Well, I'll be He said, in quotes, with one heart and one voice. Oh, I know. Perfect timing. I I got the chill bumps. Several years later, Congress passed legislation making Thanksgiving a national holiday. Given the incredible passion that she had for this holiday and her tireless (laughs) campaign... (laughs) Uh, to see it recognized by all Americans, that's when Sarah will now forever be known as the mother of Thanksgiving. Fucking tenacity. Good <laughs> Lord. <laughs> huh. So she's been described as Oprah and Martha Stewart combined. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little much, guys. Come on. She's better well, than that. <laughs> I think it was due to her ability to raise funds through things like bake sales. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I can see where they left. So, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so she retired from her editorial duties in 1877 at the age of 89. And then that same year, Thomas Edison spoke the opening lines of Mary Had a Little Lamb as the first speech ever recorded on his newly invented phonograph. Booyaka Shao. I wonder if he knew she invented that poem. He was a piece of shit. I'm sure he did- she wrote it. What he did for humanity was cool, but he was an asshole for sure. He had to have known she wrote it. Who knows? Uh, so two years later, after she retired, she passed away at her home in Philadelphia on April 30th, 1879. And there is a blue historical marker um, at 922 Spruce Street. She is buried in a symbol grave in the Laurel Hill Cemetery in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I mean, Mother's Thanksgiving. So, my my sources are bu.edu, womenhistoryblog.com, philanthropyroundtable.org, 
womenshistory.org, our good friends at Wikipedia. And then I also watched a YouTube video from The Daily Bell Ringer on YouTube. Fuck yeah. Man, I had no idea. I was, I just exist in this time where it's a, a normal thing. It's, I'm just imagining it's like a Hallmark holiday. No, it was created in earnest by somebody who genuinely felt the people should be together. Man, I love Thanksgiving <laughs> that much more now. <laughs> so anyone who actually listens to this today now has something that they can talk about at the dinner table that is not hopefully going to spur up any kind of family right. drama. Politics. <laughs> Hey, guys, aside from politics, did you know <laughs> there's a mother of Thanksgiving who wrote every know? president for like 40 years? <laughs> Do you know Thanksgiving was invented by a lady? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Uncle. Uncle misogynist. Uh, right. Oh, God. No. See, that's not the direction we we're going to go in. <laughs> no, I know. I know. Just saying, if you wanted to be petty, you could. <laughs> but on top of the fact, though, that she had this thanksgiving campaign why do we not know that this woman i mean i think you answered it had, right there had insane well i guess yeah i could have put the period at that this woman but had insane influence over the united states I, and that's over the thing, america like, for decades and decades it was harmless it actually like can help society chug along i think she wasn't doing anything detrimental to us. She was actually improving everything, in my opinion. And yeah. That's unfortunately, how life goes. If you're if you're good at this or you're good at that, it's just expected and then it's accepted. And then we move on without acknowledging that person. But if they fuck up or they create some controversy, the next thing you know, they've got trillions of dollars. They're on the front page of every magazine. And you know exactly what they did. It's a bummer, really. Man. I know. I just say her name again for everybody. Sarah Josephia Hale. Sarah Josephia Hale. I'm yes. Just start. We could. Just... So I just am, I guess, a little bit surprised uh -huh. um, that considering she was the first, like, author to talk about slavery. She's the first woman editor in the U.S. She's part of the first women's magazine. Like, I mean, this is why she did a lot show. of firsts. Yeah, <laughs> but this is exactly why we do the show because people will never know again. Like, it's just such a sickening thing to see. If you know, you look back on our education that we got, and all you hear about were these landmarks, the men who did the landmark things, and that's it. You don't hear about any of the women. Ah, oh, you hear about a couple here and there sprinkled in, the ones they really can't ignore. But otherwise, there's no celebrating. And that's a bummer to me. Because this is real and this is like better history than knowing other things that I know. That's for <laughs> sure. I would have rather had taken a test and written about, you know, this than what Colonel Who and so and so ate for dinner the night he smashed a bunch of people. Like, I don't give a shit about that yeah thank you thank you for enlightening us and bringing sarah to the forefront you're welcome and i don't think that i 
said it enough throughout the story that this woman did all of this by herself with no husband and five children. <laughs> right. And probably literally no support from anybody else in society. Yet her children. Except for the still... Freemasons occasionally, right? Oh, there you go. And then also, by the way, her children are still going to colleges like fucking Harvard on top of all of this. Yeah. Like she didn't fail. That's for damn sure. Yeah. And then in her free time, she was like, well, I need to help other families. What fucking free time? Like, I'm just so at this point, we're like, well, how did this all work out? Like, where did these people find the time? And then I realized they didn't have all the things that we have now to occupy our time. Right. There were no distractions other than like alcohol and probably drugs of some kind, but. Um, naked ladies, but that's a whole different story for another day. But no, there were there's no TV, there's no podcast, there's no entertainment is no, it's real. Yeah, there's or playing a game. Your, I guess the homes were fairly extravagant if you had money, but I mean for the most part, I feel like it was pretty modest living. You know, yeah. Man, this is so cool. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Thanksgiving. Sarah Josephia Hill, Mother you know, of Thanksgiving. You know what irritates me the most is that I learned that Thanksgiving was tied to pilgrims and Indians. And I know. the first Thanksgiving ever set and eaten was, you know, Well, it technically two... was. It technically... Yeah. It, but it was centuries apart. Right. <laughs> but it was not the Thanksgiving. You know, it translates into our heads as what we do now around the table. Not like... Right. There is a purpose for that situation, but the real, the, what we do for Thanksgiving, the real actual reason is completely separated from that. It is. It is. And so we're being miseducated. She uh, took the concept of what had happened initially. Right. But after it happened initially, it didn't keep continuing necessarily. And like she said, it only was happening sporadically in, um, uh, certain colonies and in the north or whatever so i mean i think that it has it has the origination from what we know of thanksgiving but But the reason she turned it into a popular holiday and something that was designated as an actual holiday for a different purpose yeah the reason it's designated in the united states is completely separate oh man i love this podcast so much (laughs) (laughs) hope y'all do too (laughs) i just enjoy it uh well well thank you i i you know i said i was um almost about to like cancel the recording be like it's a holiday let's take time off and then i'm like wait let me see here yeah and then about this shit real quick just a quick google away and i was inspired so i love this (laughs) <laughs> I actually and this expired expired inspired me for next week's episode. Yeah. Okay. An idea. Perfect. I know. All right. At a girl time? Yeah, I think so. Well, I still have fur in my mouth. Oh. Well, at a girls are when we <laughs> like to pat ourselves on the back for something good that we've done or something good that's happened to us. Um I recently did major leaf cleanup and um then that expanded to flower bed cleanup and all of the outside stuff (laughs) 
I'm so sore today. My inner thighs, like it hurts, you know, to, to get up off the chair, to sit yes. down. I was um, at my brother's yesterday and I was going up and down the stairs and I was like having to grip the handrail. Oh. <laughs> uh. Well, actually, I said to my brother, I'm like, oh, my God, my inner thighs like, oh, this hurts so bad. He's like, what have you been doing? And I'm like, hmm. Oh, <laughs> don't clean you up, worry but... about that. <laughs> <Sir>. <laughs> uh, That's so so anyway, um, my outer girl is like sticking with it because I almost gave up on that, too. <laughs> oh, dang. I didn't realize that. I had a girl. You were powered through it. I this well, is... I did it over two separate days. Still, and at one it. point, I was looking at like this one section where it's like not the leaves aren't on the grass; they're on like the landscape part. And I'm like, it'd probably be fine till spring. <laughs> well, for, just so you know, it is <laughs> actually healthier to keep your leaves on your lawn because it protects the lawn and all the things in the lawn and the nutrients and the dirt and yada yada. Not the amount of leaves I have. No, it's yeah, it, it's because last like year, it, but last year there was a pile of leaves on my driveway that I don't know. It must have been like after I did leaf cleanup or whatever. Anyway, so I shoveled the leaves. Shoveled when the snow came. Oh, <laughs> you know, so it snowed on top of them. I didn't know they were there. And so I'm like, basically, I'm shoveling snow, but I got a big thing of leaves, flicked it over onto the lawn, and where that was, the uh, grass died. So, well, uh, Context is a little different here. Um, I know. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I have, like, so I have locust trees, which are really, really messy, and the leaves are really, really tiny. So I'm never going to get all the leaves anyway. They go through the rake. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, now that you're mentioning it, those are little tiny leaves. But if you leave too many of them piled up, you'll get bald spots in the lawn. That's something else, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know what happened. Like last year, we had so many leaves. Seth was very, very good at being on top of them, getting them, whatever. And this year, we didn't really have any leaves. And it may be because we cut down a little bit of a tree in the backyard. But Yeah, I think my experience parties. is just extra shitty because the leaves are small. So they don't, they like take forever. They blow everywhere when you use a leaf blower. They don't get picked up by the rake either. And yard vacuum. And then I have one, but it's so messy and gross. Um, Because it rains and the leaves don't dry because there's the tree and then the sun doesn't get through. Anyway, then you get these like banana looking things that fall off of the tree and they're giant. So I have the juxtaposition of like these giant thingies and these tiny leaves and it's just stressful. This is a lot. I'm telling you. That's why it's my atta girl. (laughs) (laughs) Atta girl. Because if it was big normal leaves it would be no big deal. (laughs) Instead, here we are. So anyway, what's your atta girl? Well, proud of you by the way thank you i went back to the gym on sunday okay yeah there's that i finally was like you know what i'm just gonna go i need to go and i allowed myself to go well also i'm feeling 
physically like I if I don't start going now I'm just never gonna get back into it like I'm never gonna be able to so I gotta start somewhere so I figure I start this week I build up some you know hunger <laughs> while I go through these workouts and I can eat like a savage on Thursday then also continue this path and just keep going and making myself go when I don't want to go like I don't want to go on Tuesdays after work but I'm gonna and I don't want to go on Wednesdays after work but I'm gonna and then you know Saturdays and Sundays or whatever I can do but I just I need to make more time for it and so that's what I'm doing Free okay New Year's commitment maybe I don't know we'll see <laughs> well add a girl for getting your ass to the gym Thanks. Yeah, we woke up about 8 a.m. on Sunday. <laughs> oh, God. Well, you know, I, don't I can't know. do morning workouts. It takes a couple hours for us to get up and out the door and everything. I think we left the house around 10. But, you know, it's like, best thing I want to do on a Sunday is go to the gym. Mm hmm. I'd rather use that time. You do feel very good. It is like very validating and. I don't know. You you have a sense of accomplishment before noon. <laughs> right. There's that. I I was doing spin classes at 10:15 on Sunday mornings for a long stretch. Yeah. And sometimes I'd just come home and um keep moving. Mm-hmm. Cuz like once oh, you're yeah, a body in motion, you stay in motion. And so I would be like little energizer bunny all over, but then by like three four o'clock i was like oh shit oh yeah by seven o'clock i was like is it time for bed can we go to bed and he was like no we we're not done yet i'm like we could be right we run uh, like i'm in charge <laughs> like i could technically do this i can go to bed <laughs> but yeah so, if you liked us. what you heard today oh go ahead sorry i was just gonna say go us oh yeah go if you liked what you heard today, please rate, review, subscribe. It really helps us. Um, I guess that there's like some update that's happening with iOS 17 that is changing the length of time that um, they allow you to auto download. So if you haven't listened to a podcast in a long time, it will stop auto downloading, which I thought it did that anyway. But I guess that there's some other issue or some other change with the latest um, update. So especially if you listen to Apple podcasts, um, make sure that you at least kind of check in with us here and there. (laughs) If you don't hear us on a weekly basis, something's wrong. (laughs) Um, but also, I mean, it won't download if you don't have enough storage and all that good stuff. Right. Right. So you can find us on Spotify, our website, homeasschronicles.com, like anywhere else you listen to podcasts as well. Um, you can recommend a hoe of history by DMing us on Instagram at homeans underscore chronicles or sending us an email homancepodcast at gmail.com. We also have a closed group on Facebook, the Homance Chronicles, a judgment-free zone that has nothing to do with this. Um, and then... <laughs> sure it does. It, I mean, ish, right? <laughs> um, if You're going to get surprised if you go in there thinking you're going to hear about women of history. Just hoes. Um, yeah, it's really... It's just hoes, period. Um <laughs> And then you can get Homance merch on my Etsy shop, NicoleBonneville.etsy.com. Happy Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Homance out.